Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Support independent Mi'kmaq media. Become a Mi'kmaq Matters patron at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. We're coming to you this week from Cornerbrook. We were at the Halibu Chief and Council meeting on Saturday and on Saturday evening in St. George's for a feast welcoming three members of the Mi'kmaq Grand Council the traditional governing body of the Mi'kmaq people. Grand Chief Norman Sillaboy, Grand Captain Anle Denny, and Elder Stephen Augustine. The visit is another step in the ongoing project to build a relationship between the Halibu Band and the wider Mi'kmaq community. So it's fitting that this week on Mi'kmaq Matters we're talking about a major land and legal battle taking place across the water that pits Mi'kmaq people around the Sebanakati community against the Nova Scotia government and a gas company. At the heart of the struggle is the safety of the Shubanakati River, which is at the heart of the traditional life of Mi'kmaq people in the area. With the agreement of the Nova Scotia government, Alton Gas wants to dump brine, salt water, from underground caverns into the Shubanakati River so they can use the caverns to store natural gas. Mi'kmaq people fear for the river and for the fish and the medicines they harvest there. They're in court and they need our support, especially to hire expert witnesses needed for the case. The email account for the Legal Defense Fund is treatytruckhouse at gmail.com. Listeners in the Halifax area can check out the fourth annual auction, Halifax Stands with Water Protectors, that takes place on December 8th from 2 to 5 p.m. at the Italian Cultural Center on Agricola Street. Our guest this week is the person on the legal front lines in the Alton gas struggle. Michael McDonald was in court this month, and he'll be back in court in January on a constitutional challenge against the project. He'll be arguing that the Shubanakati River is on unceded Mi'kmaq territory and can only proceed if Mi'kmaq people agree with it. Part of his argument will be the 1752 treaty between the Mi'kmaq and the British that was signed by his great-great-grandfather, Chief Jean-Baptiste Cope. I spoke with Michael MacDonald about the case, the treaty, and the importance of the Shubanakari River to Mi'kmaq people. You uh, are the great-great-grandson of Chief Jean-Baptiste Cope. And anyone who knows uh, uh, Mi'kmaq history will know uh, uh, that name, Chief Cope, uh, who signed the uh, 1752 treaty between the British and the Mi'kmaq. Uh, now you're doing work on behalf of Mi'kmaq people. And I wonder, um, how does that uh, relationship with uh, Chief Cope uh impact the way that you think about your your practice and what you do on a daily basis so um how does that impact me so i like to believe that i i follow in his footsteps and and trying to protect our rights 
you know, I, so I do a lot of fishery cases and I, and work on our rights to a moderate livelihood. I had three that went through the court system already and all three I argued that livelihood fisheries and I was successful with those arguments. And I have another, another one coming up that I'm going to court next week for where there was, uh, three megamoth fishermen from my community that were charged under the regulatory system, under the, uh, the food social ceremonial. So there I'm going to argue a constitutional challenge against that regulatory. Like they put like these numbers on how many lobsters Mi'kmaq can catch for, for food social ceremonial purposes. But the numbers, that limitation that they put on is only for one area, which is LFA 34. But in every other district fishing area around Nova Scotia, there is no limitation on how many lobsters you can catch per day for that purposes, you know, for the food social ceremonial. And yet they put a limitation in this one area, which is LFA 34, and they never once consulted my community first beforehand. And the majority of the people that are fishing in that area are from my community. And potentially, I suppose you could be making, will you, do you think you'll be making reference to the 1752 treaty in, in your argument? Oh, I always do. Yes, I always do. And I, and I use, like in most, all my cases, like I have a, a tobacco case right now. And then I have another one that has on, uh, on taxation, you know, collecting taxes from, from non-native purchasers when it comes to tobacco sales. So I have that argument going through right now. And I, and I'm arguing the 1752 treaty and as well as the Royal Proclamation of 1763 because this is unceded Mi'kmaq territory. And that's the same with my arguments in, um, in that Alton gas case that I have going yes. on. Uh, so let's, Let's turn to uh, to Alton Gas, and um, first of all, let me ask you about the uh, the Shubenacadie River, which flows uh, well, it almost flows right through the the middle of Nova Scotia, doesn't it? From uh, from what is it, the Bay of Fundy up north, and it flows on down. And how do do people still fish from that river, for example? They do all year round. My community of Shubenacadie First Nations and in, in Shubenacadie area. Like, I've fished in that river ever since I was a kid. My family, like everybody in my community fishes there, majority throughout the year. You know, when the smelts run, they go out and they catch smelts, so, you know, the bass. Uh, at one time, we, we fished a lot of salmon out of that river, but it's not so much anymore. Mostly it's striped bass, um, tommy cod. I remember as a kid, we used to catch the uh, sturgeons. It was Atlantic sturgeons. There's some some. Sometimes you still see a sturgeon, but nobody really keeps them. It's a really bony fish, and uh, you know. And but majority of fish that's caught out of there are uh, the shad, gasbro, and and striped bass. So what now, comes out of that river uh, in the morning could be on uh, your plate uh, at supper time. Exactly. Yes. Mm. So we, we fish all year round, and and we collect medicine there um, along that river. A lot of community members, they, they still go there and collect medicine on that river. So it's really important and it's vital to us, you know, that river. I mean, that whole system, really, you know, at one time, I don't know if you know this, but during the time that um, when the 1752 treaty was signed, that whole area was considered still under Mi'kmaq control. And so that's why... 
they they you know they had signed that treaty but it was you know it was after when they started seeing that river as a potential you know way to get across from the bay of fundy to to halifax you know that's when they when they come into the idea of that shibanaki canal system so they wanted to they wanted to enter that system because i think the shibanaki canal construction began in 1786 but the idea of it had already came into play back into the 1750s and that's why i, I think those ongoing you know hostilities between the british and the Mi'kmaq after 1752 treaty was signed um i think that's where they stem from that that need of getting into that river because those british troops started entering into those woods around along the river after they had signed the treaty and stated that they wouldn't go there you know they they wouldn't bother or, or molest the Mi'kmaq people along that river and they would let them live how they always lived but then the british started going there like there's a there's actually a a, a letter written by a, a french a jesuit priest so and that was in 1753 a year after the 1752 treaty was signed he actually sent a letter to um halifax to the governor and he said you know in on behalf of the Mi'kmaq was actually for jean baptist kobe he had stated that you know that as of late you know your, the troops have entered into the woods and and you know they they haven't seen that as any hostilities until that time you know so there's there's actual evidence to show that it was the british that actually started those you know those hostilities that happened after because like and um, a lot of times, like, see, if you look at the Marshall, the Marshall case, right? You know, the, not not the uh, Marshall, you know, the but the Marshall case where you know for the fishing for eels with the yes. So mm -hmm. in that case, um, they were going to originally use the um, 1752 treaty as the argument because it's it's one of the strongest of all the treaties, right? Because it doesn't give up nothing right in that treaty it doesn't give up no power or nothing so it's, it's one of the strongest treaties that we have as Mi'kmaq people and so they were going to use that but there was some issues there they were worried because of the ongoing hostilities that that treaty there you know they might try to argue that it's it's void but if you rem i don't know if you read simon and so in simon um the judge in that supreme court decision said is stated that regardless of any ongoing hostilities that occurred after that treaty was still valid today as it always has been and so you know that was still a valid treaty but then there's actual evidence like i had said that now that you, you know now with the, with the you know with the internet you could find so much information you know you know that there's actual evidence like historical evidence that it was the british that actually started those hostilities and the reason was is because they wanted to get into the shibanakity area so they can use that river system as a canal system so it would save them from driving you know you know taking ships from going not driving i apologize but taking ships from going all the way from you know around from the bay of fundy down into you know around the bottom of Nova Scotia and then up into Halifax, right? They needed a system to get, you know, to get across a quicker. Short, shortcut. Exactly, and that's so, where it all stemmed from. And so that's, and so that's, I guess that's the other constant is that the Shubenacadie has been 
of uh, important to Mi'kmaq people, but of central interest for various reasons throughout. So the, the canal, and now we're talking about this, um, this uh, the Alton Gas uh, project. So for those of us, for those of our listeners who um, you don't know about uh, the Alton Gas project, basically what's uh, what's planned is to empty out these uh, these underground caverns which are filled with the salty water and dump the brine into the Shubenacadie River and uh, people of course are concerned about um, the impact on uh, on the river and on um, the, the fish they want us to believe that when they dump all that brine into the river that it's not going to affect nothing that it's not going to change nothing it's not going to damage you know anything there, and or kill the fish, but they're not—they're not really thinking. You know, anybody that ha- anybody has aquarium fish, for instance, and if you if you kept aquarium fish, and if you know that you if you have fish in a tank and you increase the pH level, like you know, because if you dump a bunch of brine into the river, it's gonna rise the pH level, like you know, a lot higher than what it presently is, even. Even with the water coming in, because that's brackish water. Even though you know you have that the water coming in when the when the Bay of Fundy fills up and that's rushing in, it's still mixing with fresh water. So there's still you know salinity level is not as high as if you jump straight up brine into the river, and so the pH level is going to sh- sh- rise up quickly. And and if anybody that like I said anybody that kept fish in an aquarium at home. They know that if you increase the pH level by, you know, even even the slightest, it can affect the fish and stress them out, and then even kill them, you know. And and but we're not even considering just the fish, right? Because there's the microbes, all the little tiny stuff that lives, the plankton, and, and those little microbe organisms that live in the mud, right? So when they dump that brine, it's going to kill that, and and you know, and, and everything starts, you know, from that that. The microbes and the plankton, it's that, you know, that, that ecosystem that, you know, the circle of life, you know, that yes. feeds upon each other, right? So you kill the, the spot and stuff, the, that bod and food, then, then as you and go up into that predator fish and stuff, then, then there's nothing for them to eat. And then there's all those, all the fish come in the spawn into that river. And what do they eat if you kill that? you know, that lower part of the system. So in, you will just basically kill the entire, the entire system. Okay. And, they're, and they're not considering those. And then a lot of the research that has, that was, that they brought out is incorrect or was falsified. Like now they're finding more information. There's, um, so there's two individuals that were originally charged that, you know, the case that I'm on. So the original ones were, um, there was, Dale Paulette and Ray, Rachel Greenland Smith, and their name is actually still on, you know, on our documents. It's just now I have my clients added to it, but Dale Paulette and Rachel Greenland Smith are no longer involved in this case they that I'm working on. The truck house, as I recall. Yes, and they actually have all kinds of finding. Like you should definitely have us, you know, talk with them because they did. A lot of research over the last six, seven, eight months, and they found all kinds of information. You know, you know, like go any further into that part, but it, you know, there's a lot of uh, inconsistencies. Let's say mm. how 
the how often gas got in there in the first place. Yes. Now, you were in court uh, recently on a trying to get a, um, a cease and desist to stop Alton Gas from doing work that's going on now until a, an injunction is decided sometime down the road. And I guess your concern is that uh, Alton Gas is uh, sort of changing the facts on the ground before the uh, the legal issues are are resolved on a, on a permanent basis. So exactly, yes. So what is what is going on there there now? Like they've built uh, some kind of big um, holding pond type uh, thing. Someone uh, has uh, pictures on uh, on Facebook from Google Earth about the size of this uh, facility that they've built. They have road. They, it's just nonstop work going on over there. They're changing the whole landscape of that area without this, you know, finishing up. I, I felt that it should have been, you know, stopped until, you know, this is resolved because I started a, I started a constitutional argument back in July. I entered that, you know, because, but I found that Alton Gas, the lawyers, they, they never took that serious. And in any other case that I've dealt with, you know, criminal matters and so forth, as soon as you put a constitutional issue on the table that has to be dealt with and it's always dealt with first but in this case i never even got a response from alton gas lawyers they never even responded to that they didn't any you know and this was back in july and so then i attempted to put you know this injunction which i had every right to because once they added my clients were added to that you know injunction order then i had 30 days underneath the um, civil procedure rules to respond, you know, to that. And I did with my own injunction, you know, and, and a cease and desist order. This was in August at, at the end of July. And I think it was July 30th, actually, when I submitted that. And, and they called me. It wasn't even responding. So what happened was I was supposed to go and I put it in and then I couldn't get into, um, into the court. No, I'm, I apologize. It was August 15th when I submitted that. And, and so because of the Labor Day, you know, the holidays and stuff, you know, the dates that um, they had given me was incorrect. And then I went to go change it, but then I got a call from the Alton Gas lawyers and they were saying, oh, well, you can't do this and you can't put this in. And I had a affidavit from one of my clients and and the affidavit because she's a direct descendant of Jean Baptist Cope as well and you know we're using that 1752 treaty argument right you know and so they were trying to say you know anybody that is um any person that um has you know something you know that they had some involvement or something to gain or or you know or lose from this case then you can't do an affidavit and I said well all Mi'kmaq people have something to lose or something to gain from this case. All Mi'kmaq people, because this is our rights. This is our rights to land. And, you know, these are unceded Mi'kmaq territories, and and we had our own Mi'kmaq laws, and and we never we never gave up that right to those laws, and and you know we have absolute title to these lands, and and we should have a say of what happens on our lands, and basically that's what this is turning into. So, so on my the season last- is this. Application. So, how did that end? Uh, you're back in court uh, next in December again on that. So, uh, was it? So they're uh, trying to get that thrown out. So they they those they're trying to get those thrown out. But it's okay. I, I mean, we're in a good place now because 
the last time we were in court, we got the Supreme Court judge to say on record that our next, after this part is done, like they're trying to get that. So Alton Gas lawyers want to get those documents that I filed in September, which were the cease and desist and the, and the injunction against Alton Gas. They want those thrown out. And that's okay if that, if that happens because in January, we're going to be able to deal with the constitutional arguments. And that's what we really wanted in the first place. Right. So that's when the, the, the core issue is being dealt in January because you're, you'll be arguing that, um, because of the, uh, the treaty rights and Mi'kmaq rights to that territory that Alta Gas cannot do what it wants to do. Exactly. Because, well, they can, well, see what we're basically, we're, we're not trying to say that, you know, we're, we're not, it's not really a, a title claim or anything, but we're, we're trying to say that Megamai, we want the courts to admit that the lands on there have never been ceded, which they already done prior in Isaac, you know, the Supreme Court of Canada said in I versus Isaac that, you know, the Megamai never ceded or sold any lands within any of the treaties. You know, they, they, they admitted that this is unceded territory. So it was already proven in the Supreme Court of Canada that this is unceded Mi'kmaq territory. But we want the court, this court to say that, yes, these are unceded. And if so, then the Royal Proclamation applies. And then underneath the Royal Proclamation, you know, that any, any First Nation group that has never ceded or sold any of those lands, then their own laws apply to those lands. And underneath Mi'kmaq law, we should have a say of what happens on our land. So where we want the courts to say that Mi'kmaq people have absolute title to the lands, which they do. You know, we're not after any fee simple title. You know, Alton Gas can keep their fee simple title, but we should have say of what happens on our lands. And if we don't want blind dumping into this river that we've been using since time immemorial, that we continue to use to this day, right, for our sources of food, for our medicine, then we should have say that we don't want that brine dumping into the river for the risk that it could cause. Michael McDonald, lawyer for Mi'kmaq people fighting the Alton Gas Project in Nova Scotia. Once again, the email account for the Treaty Truckhouse Legal Defense Fund is treatytruckhouse at gmail.com. And listeners in the Halifax area, check out the fourth annual silent auction, Halifax Stands with Water Protectors, on December 8th from 2 to 5 p.m. at the Italian Cultural Center on Agricola Street. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Thanks to our radio partners, Bay of Islands Radio, Voice of Bombay, CHMR, and Miobigag, First Nation Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time. Mm-hmm.